Welcome back to another edition of the Ballas and Skeen Show at TheWolverine.com. I'm Chris Ballas. Just got home from a six-hour road trip to Happy Valley. It was Happy Valley this week, skiing this time for the second time in a row. Third straight win over Penn State. I know how much you love James Franklin, so this one was kind of sweet, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's clarify here, Ballas. I, I, uh, my love let's affair, for, my love affair for Coach Franklin is that he he's not the greatest of game day coaches, right? So, um, yeah, the sunglasses on cloudy days that always bugs me. I don't care who you are, and uh, he, he's you know I think he's a guy who loves the cameras. But uh, once again. I think I'd said earlier in the season, we were talking preseason uh, podcast bows about this season. We, we circled this game at Penn State, and I remembered saying, yeah, well, Coach Franklin's still going to be the coach there, so we're going to win the game because he's going to do something stupid in a big something. game, as he always does. And yeah. we saw that two or three times yesterday, and yeah, I wasn't surprised. I was going to say some things, right? And we'll talk about that in a minute. First, I want to talk about the road shop. Skeen, this has been the toughest three weeks of my professional life, and I've covered coaching searches that have lasted for a, lasted for a month. Uh, this is unbelievable how this story continues to change, um, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But thank God for the Rogue Shop and their gummies. Uh, RogueShop.com, if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, or have anxiety, stress, uh, or all of the above, <laughs> when you use promo code the Wolverine, that's the Wolverine altogether, get 10% off your order. And uh, Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, and soaps. I've been using the bath salts. I've been using the pain creams. I've been using the edibles uh, like you wouldn't believe, and it's been uh, fantastic for me to be able to sleep. So they handcraft all their topical soaps, candles, bath salts, massage oils, and tinctures. They grow their own cannabis in their own manufacturing facility. Uh, all their products are made with their cannabis. Their website has a 24-7 chat function where customers can ask anything that's at the rogue at, at rogueshop.com r-o-g-u-e rogueshop.com uh, and all their cut edibles are custom formulated with cannabis vitamins and plant materials so it's america's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop they are a true small business disabled veteran own rogueshop.com use promo code the wolverine uh, all together and get 10 percent off your order uh, and they can help you like they have helped me so uh, scheme. Let's talk about this uh, this football game and this football team. And you know uh, the Big Ten. It's funny because everybody's like, "Oh, Michigan will never be, be you know leave the Big Ten, so on and so forth." The way things went down on Friday, and I want to explain this. Okay, uh, we have sources in the president's office. We have sources in the administration who also the same thing. They felt really good when they filed this uh, motion for injunction to allow a temporary restraining order for to allow Jim Harbaugh to coach. That it was going to happen because there are two options there, right? It's either approved or it's denied. It's a temporary restraining order. It's not supposed to get bumped, which is exactly what this Judge, judge Tim Connors do. Now, there are conflicting reports. Did it ever make it to Judge Carol Kunke? Because we had heard from the Michigan uh, people on the Michigan side that, yes, she was the emergency judge. She was the one that was supposed to get it. People are saying it went from, Con from Connors in his court in Washtenaw County to Kunke and then back to Connors. Why it went back to Connors? Did it ever go to Kunke? You know, these are things that uh, we're still working on, but that's how we understand it. That's how John Bacon tweeted that he understood it. Regardless, this guy basically punted on it. And I got my phone blew up from texts from attorneys saying, I've never seen this in my 44 years as an attorney. I've never seen this in my 40 years. That's not how TROs are supposed to work. So essentially this judge took it and he said, okay, well, we'll, we'll make it a hearing instead of a TRO and we'll do it next Friday. And Jim Harbaugh is on the sidelines. They do it on Veterans Day when the plane is in the air. 
and Jim Harbaugh gets off the plane and he has to wait and see if he can coach. And those kids, uh, I'm sorry, but Michigan said it was unethical, and I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Unethical is the polite way of putting it, Ballas. Yeah. I think that Ward's Ward Manual, President Ono, and other people at Michigan's heads probably exploded with the timing of this. They did this intentionally. Uh, they obviously waited for a strategic moment when Coach Harbaugh was in a moment of uh, lack of communication, being 30,000 feet in the air with his football team heading east. And uh, the timing of it all, they had to have – just, it just makes no sense otherwise. They had to have done this with the intent of, of having exactly what happened uh, – uh, what they wanted to happen happen, which was the court system didn't work out properly and they didn't want him on the sideline. And that's what the big 10 commissioner got. And so his intention was to harm this head coach and his football team and, and stick his chest out and punish a coach. And we can talk about the lack of due process and everything that Ward correctly outlined in his statement, which I thought was spot on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Bush league stuff. It's unprecedented. It sets a whole new standard for everything going forward and it's an absolute disaster, and in my opinion, lack of proper leadership by the place on the place of the of the Big Ten commissioner. And so now you've got a standard now going forward where you get a group of teams that are up unhappy and they don't like a certain coach. They can make some accusations, and everybody's going to expect that that coach is going to get sat down until the evidence and the, and the process plays out. It's the backwards way that we all know as the due process and the criminal justice system, right? Uh, here in America, where you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, it seems like Coach Harbaugh has been judged and uh, sentenced until anything else probably came along. So it's really it's really low rent. And you talk about what's the possibility of Michigan leaving. I don't know what those possibilities are, Ballas. I suppose anything's possible at this point. What I do know is that permanent damage is going to take years years to get over damage between the relationship between the Big Ten Conference and the University of Michigan has happened. Yeah, and I believe in speaking to the people of Michigan, you know, they, they right now they're in, it's Tony Petiti or it's us. Who do you want? Do you want somebody that brings in a third of the revenue for the conference, you know, or do you want this clown, with all due respect, who came over from MLB TV? And, and I've talked to people who have worked with him in the past that have had very unflattering things to say about him. And let's be clear, um, Jim Delaney's fingerprints, in my opinion, are all over this, too. He's one of his advisors. That's just my opinion, the way I see things and the, the past dealings with Jim Delaney, who is the former Big Ten commissioner. And again, this is just my my opinion. Um, you know, it certainly seems to be the case to me because there was an article about three months ago where Tony Petiti was talking about how much he leans on Jim Delaney for these things. This is an absolute travesty in, in terms of. Okay, yeah, Michigan did some things wrong, right? We all know it's not the 20 points per game that all these idiot Big Ten coaches are saying it's worth uh, because they're still kicking the living shit out of teams, right? Uh, and really dominated Penn State for the, the, a good majority of that game. They were playing from behind. But it's the way they went about it that really rubs people the wrong way. I don't see how that relationship continues. Well, the, like I just said, the relationships yeah. are all damaged, right? Yeah. And so it, what what led up to this? You know, again, we've got a head football coach in Ann Arbor that doesn't necessarily have any interest in kissing your butt and making you feel good. He's interested in the guys around him, his coaches, his players, his family, as he stated. And we have a president and, and an athletic director that have said, hey, we will absolutely cooperate. We just like due process here, the mm -hmm. fair way of doing this. And when the investigation plays itself out, if there's wrongdoing, we'll join you in disciplining our coaches. And but that for some reason, for some reason, that wasn't good enough for this commissioner and other people in power at the Big Ten level. And they decided to jump the shark here, and it's a pretty big shark that they jumped. And like you said, you know, Michigan's power and presence within the Big Ten 
Uh, I just think this is just an absolutely terrible move on part of the Big Ten uh, with one of its premier in, in, uh, institutions within the league. You know, how, how do you fix this going forward? I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there is a fix going forward. I don't think so. I think it's Petiti or Michigan, and, and Michigan has actually – I've talked to people, and they said, you know what, we have options, man. Uh, what are they doing? And I think it was Brett McMurphy who said he talked to somebody in the industry and he said he compared him to the Pac-12 commissioner. And of course, what's left of the Pac-12, you got two teams. Yeah. And he said, and I don't, he compared Petiti to him and he said, I don't think he meant that in a flattering way. So, well, you know, and I would say along those lines, right. It's, it's, it, I don't think you or me or anybody else here in, in, in our conversations has said, Hey, we're, we're apologizing and we're not saying that there's nothing wrong here. Mm -hmm. There may be. We just don't understand why all of a sudden the normal process called due process was absolutely dismissed here. This is the yeah. part that doesn't make any sense. And they keep saying, well, we have we have enough evidence. Well, what is that? And, right. and where is the process? What, what happened to all the things that used to happen in the past? Right. Uh, and so uh, there's apparently just, just, just too much pressure from certain people to this Big Ten commissioner to let Michigan just be – and let this thing work itself out in January, February, or March. That that thought obviously wasn't attractive enough for them. So he had, he had to do what he did on Friday there, which was uh, just a great disservice to the University of Michigan and the coaching staff and the guys on that airplane, and the relationship in, with our league and in in our in our school with our league and the fans. It's just going to be nasty going forward, indefinitely. Yeah, and they could present more off. Uh, evidence on Friday that changes everything. I want people to make be very clear here yeah. to, to people. Hey, if they come forward with some other stuff and they say, okay. Uh, evidence ballast, right? right? Not right. not somebody's so, saying so, not one exactly. some accusations, but evidence. Right, exactly. And now could that be somebody talking and saying something on the record, like somebody deposed and saying, okay, here's an affidavit about what a guy says happened, but then wouldn't you have a chance to rebut that? Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I don't know. Uh, but I am, have been talking to my lawyer friends, including uh, a former head of the Michigan State Bar. We had dinner with him on Friday night, and he was lamenting the fact that it was in Washtenaw County Court rather than Eastern District Federal Court. And there have been has been some question there as to whether that was even an option for Michigan. So that's something else we're going to have to look into. But uh, a couple of other people said that they have been in front of Judge Tim Connors recently. Uh, they don't, nobody understands, uh, you know, how you punt on this or how it's even possible. Everybody said I could have lived with a denial of the TRO uh, and, uh, that, you know, hey, on, on some grounds and that would have been fine. But to push it back to Friday, they said is unprecedented, according to them. And we're going to get some more information on that and have an article on it on Monday. But they say it doesn't look good, uh, frankly, for Jim Harbaugh in court on Friday in their opinion. And of course, nobody knows. As one of my uh, good friends, Jeff Schiller, said today, um, he's an attorney in Chicago. He's M hoops one on our message board. He said that there are times that he thought it was a slam dunk and was led to believe it was a slam dunk. And that wasn't the case. And there are times he told his client we're done, you're screwed and they won. So there's no really telling which way this is going to go. But the fact that it happens on Friday again, and we're doing this all over again, the day before a game just sucks. Let these, you know what, this is just not, this is just terrible timing. Yeah. There's, there's no debating that. And, um, I don't. I haven't heard or read anything. Any statements mm -hmm. from the commissioner of the Big Ten? He's just silent on this thing, and and uh, so it's. I don't know what other way to other way to put it, Ballas. And I'm not a lawyer, and I, quite mm -hmm. frankly, I, you know, I, I don't uh, really understand the way these injunctions and these restraining orders or work or the process or anything. I just think that the timing was intentional on behalf of the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. If they were going to do this, they could have done it days in advance. 
or chose to do it later. Uh, either way, you know, my opinion is it should have been due process. Just like President Ono said, if this were someone else in the league, they would want the same uh, expectation of due process, just like we're asking for. Yeah. I don't think that's too much to ask for anybody. It's supposed yeah. to work that way. Right. There are several layers to this story, and this thing could go any way. So I want people to be very clear about that because, you know, Michigan felt very strongly that they were going to get this TRO and whatever happened, uh, it didn't go in their favor. So uh, there are no guarantees uh, when it comes to this stuff. And we never said there were. Uh, we will continue to tell you what we hear from the Michigan sources. If they are confident about something, we will tell you that. Uh, if they aren't, we'll tell you that as well. So stay tuned on that. And we'll have much more this week, unfortunately, uh, as they deal with silent but deadly Tony Petiti. All right, let's talk about some football here. Um, Michigan and Penn State, man, uh, what a gutsy win. Okay. Here's, here's a thing. They were devastated initially, not devastated, but you could see our Clayton safety was on the sidelines during that game. And you could see on their faces that, you know, as they're waiting and then finally they understand that their coach isn't coming off the bus. Some people think he was on the back of the bus. Some people say he wasn't whatever. I think Doug Carson play by play voice in Michigan football said, I think he's in a car circling the stadium, just waiting for the, for the thumbs up. Uh, whatever it was, he wasn't there. These kids were okay, distraught, and they kind of looked you can see it in the body language early in that game. But boy, did they rally! And to beat that team playing, frankly, on, on offense, they probably played their C minus game. Uh, I would say that's being polite. Uh, they ran the ball okay, they did not pass the ball at all, and the defense was fantastic for the most part again. But to, to win that game like they did really shows the character of this group. Really gutsy performance because of the lack of, or the, not the lack of, but the the roller coaster of emotions, right? So you you you're you're flying in there, you're, you're on this business trip, the big 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 first test of the year for this team. Obviously, a tough opponent in a really tough environment. And I think the second loudest stadium that I've ever been in in my life, and and it's uh it's it's I can't imagine you know the, the feelings that these guys had. So you have the first like what, you know bewilderment, right? What our coach isn't going to be here, and then it quickly that must have turned to aggression and anger. In uh, the and they settled in and 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 took the first couple punches in those first couple series of possessions there that Michigan had, and and I would say Ballas, we, we said going into this game. This was going to be the best defensive front Michigan faced, and clearly that was the case with some of our passing downs. The Penn State guys were in our backfield really quick, and so we're spinning around and we're spinning around, but here's what happened. Those first two series were probably scripted, and they didn't go all that well, and then the third possession and beyond, I thought the coaching staff did a really nice job of making adjustments, getting guys into better positions, doing different things out of the backfield with J.J., throwing Penn State off their their ears pinned back, sprint up field stances that they had, and all of a sudden we're moving the ball. And so it was gutsy. It was gutsy because you had to keep your emotions among such a high emotional atmosphere. They did it so well. And then when it was all over with, you saw the emotion pour out of Coach Moore there and the rest of the guys that felt the way they did and the performance that they had, which was truly a, a just just a, a, a grinder, right? Don't throw the football. We're just going to pound you in the mouth until you until you quit. So that was that was emotional to watch. I had a tear in my eye because I can just sense how much this meant to these guys and what yeah. they're going through and what they're going to continue to go through. Yeah, and there's been some character assassination going on too here by the media. And and again, we're not on a soapbox for these guys. And and what happened happened, right? And uh, but two things, you know, stealing signs as everybody said three weeks ago. Oh, everybody does it, so on and so forth. Well, you did it in a different way that was 
much more advanced or whatever. Uh, yeah, I get it, right? Uh, but to suggest that it, this is some game changer is a load of crap. Um, number two, they have proven now against Ohio State, who said they changed their signs, against Michigan State, who we know changed their signs, against Purdue, against this team, uh, that this is a good football team. So, so, so to suggest that this is all because they stole signs and that this football team, everything they've accomplished in the last three years is because of that, which is what these loser coaches are starting to do now, including Matt Rule. <laughs> well, they had our signals, which is why we lost. You can't beat freaking – who'd they lose to yesterday? 13 to 10. Uh, I think it was Maryland. You can't beat Maryland. You lost to Maryland 13 to 10 who just gave up 51 points to Penn State a week ago. And you're sitting there talking about how it was signs. Give me a break. Get out of here with that crap. So yeah. uh, there was a lot of character assassination. You got Blake Corum being lumped in with some kind of a business deal with counter sailing. So it must be nefarious. Just step the hell off, man. And let these, you know what? These are human beings. And we saw that human element come out after the game. Well, when you're winning as much as Michigan has been winning, yeah. the sharks are always going to circle. And when there's blood in the water ballast, it, it makes for good internet fodder. It makes for clicks. It makes reviews, et cetera. And clearly this is, this is resonating with the television networks and whoever does things to, to try to earn internet clicks. And uh, because it's working, they keep repeating it and repeating it. And we still don't have any hard evidence. It's just all hearsay. And he said, she said, and rumors so I would I would commend you and your in your columns that you write out there at the Wolverine, just getting straight to the facts and what we know and what we don't know. This is it, right? So you're doing a great job there, and I wish more people on television uh, would follow that that lead. But a lot of it, you know, is 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 not that way. So uh, sadly, it, it's it sucks. It's a constant distraction for the team. But if if I could try to put myself in their place, having a good of as good of a team as they have and what probably feels like the world and your own conference coming after you, your opponents trying to take you down by, you know, accusations and whatnot. This has got to be the most motivating thing ever for these young men. And I got a feeling it's going to carry on forward. Yeah, I would hope so. And we'll find out more probably on Friday if the Big Ten presents more of its evidence. Maybe that was its plan all along to drip it along because I, I got to tell you, there is something coordinated going on here. I don't care what anybody says. And, and we have seen, some evidence of our own about uh, who started this. Michigan firmly believes, and I'll say this again, that it was a, a couple of at least one or maybe two private investigative firms uh, with connections to Ryan Day in Ohio State. We'll find out if they're right, uh, but because we know people are working on it. We know some of the details, and it sure as hell looks like it is. So um, let's talk a little bit here about uh, Game Time, one of our other sponsors. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Austin, Texas for a wedding. We decided to go to a, a, a Texas game, and then I remembered Game Time, man, one of our sponsors um, for my last-minute tickets. And sure enough, uh, I've got great seats. They had a flash sale. I got two unbelievable seats, sat with some great people in Austin, Texas, who were talking about this witch hunt against Jim Harbaugh. And it's like, man, you guys you guys operate differently up there in the north, man. Anything goes down here. Shit, we had a guy in an owner's box taking signs of one of our team against, you know, not, not Texas, but a different southern school, he said. You know what? Anything goes. But I was there and they were fantastic. So uh, but buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy and theater near you. Just like I've done twice now with the Lions game and with the Texas game. Killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you will have with the game time app. So download the game time app now. Um, 
You know what? Uh, flash deals, last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. They have images of the seat views scheme, which has been very helpful for me, especially for the Lions game several weeks ago with my son and a lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection policy, things like that. So um, this is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Uh, the guarantee means you always get the best price. The fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So again, get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Again, it's game time. Uh, snag the tickets without stress. Use Wolverine. That's code Wolverine for $20 off. $20 off your first purchase with the game time app. Download it, create an account, use code Wolverine to get $20 off your first purchase. And again, thank you for supporting them in Rogue Shop. So um, Skeen, uh, this defense. Well, first, first things first, I want to talk about the concerns about the offensive line because there are some, right? If Michigan, uh, even against Ohio State, Carson Barnhart had a really nice game against Ohio State last year, and they've got some good defensive ends. I thought Penn State's were a step up. I thought Chop Robinson was fantastic, but he was getting into the backfield way too early and way too often. He actually posted a zero grade in pass protection in that game. Uh, and I, granted, there were only eight or nine passes thrown. One was uh, not counted because it was a pass interference call, mm -hmm. but he's got to be better, man. That was, uh, yeah. and, and I don't, I don't understand why they didn't maybe give him a little help over there a little bit earlier. Maybe you can explain that. Well, I think, I think early it was scripted ballast. It doesn't mm -hmm. surprise me. I think this coaching staff like this has been going on for decades. You script your first two possessions. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to try to do. This is our game plan. And I think we saw that some pretty basic stuff out of Michigan, maybe a different twist or two in formation. But uh, I didn't see Michigan try to do anything different in those first two series that we hadn't done all year to see if we could just keep doing our vanilla thing and be effective. We weren't. And so the two defensive ends of Penn State were around our edge really fast. And Carson over there on the right against Chop and the other young man, I think it was number 33. I can't remember his name. But, uh, you know, he got out in his pass set. And it had a decent pass set, but then when contact came, he bent at the waist. And if you're an offensive tackle and you're pass blocking, and you bend at the waist and your nose gets out over your toes, you can't keep moving your feet. You're dead in the water. And a guy like Chop, who, by the way, is a first-round draft pick kid, is going to be around you in a second, and he was. So how do you help him? How do you help a tackle who's struggling to get out there and maintain balance? Well, you can slide the protection his way so that he can overset, in other words, feel confident enough, right? If the whole offensive line is sliding to his offensive right, then you have help to the inside. So if Carson knows he's got help to the inside, then he can get out there real fast to his right. And if Chop made an inside move, he could adjust, but he knows he's got a guard there to help. Well, that that lends the next natural question. Well, what about the left side? If you, if you slide to the right, what do you do with the left? Well, either your back's going to go over that way, assuming there's no blitz coming, or you can leave a tight end over there, leave your H-back in over there. There's other things you can do to help offensive linemen slow down defensive ends. What they had to do later was, was it was finally was effective. Blake Corum's run and also Donovan Edwards' run, both of them broke inside the defensive end. So if you got defensive ends that are hard upfield, flying upfield, you have to take advantage of that to slow them down a little bit I thought the offensive coaching staff did a nice job of doing that, right? So there's a big old gap there when you got a darting upfield defensive end. So take advantage of it. Do a counter down inside or do the draw. We'll get back into that B gap right offside or the inside butt cheek of your right tackle. So there's things that could have been done that were done. But the bottom line is that 
those quality defensive ends are clearly a, a, a difficult matchup for our offensive tackles when they're out there in a one-on-one situation. So they're going to have to adjust going forward because Ohio State's going to break that film down. And and number 44 there from Ohio State, who's their best defender, is mm-hmm. going to be ready to go. Yeah, and if they get to Georgia or somebody like that in a championship game, it's going to be the same thing. So yep. and uh, and even in a semi game, you're going to have yep. you know. And, and, and oh, by the way, Carson in practice. By the way, Ballas, you just got to practice keeping your posture. Yeah. When you get over on the edge and you go to impact, you just cannot. Like I said, you just can't bend over and be dead in the, dead on your feet. So yeah. he, he's got time to work on that. Still, so, but you, there's ways to fix it. Yeah. So the Donovan Edwards touchdown, and I think it was Great a third cut. down play. Yep. And. Uh, the Blake Edwards, the, I'm sorry, the Blake Corum touchdown, the 30-yarder. What was yeah. the result of that? Was that just straight uh, 47G or whatever? Or what were they doing on those plays? No, I didn't see the 47G. I just okay. thought that that Blake and Donovan, the one Donovan made on the television going mm-hmm. from our, for you know left to right there, Donovan, the blocks all front side were fit pretty good, and it was just a gap backside. He saw it, made the cut, and off he went. And once you get past the second level, you're not catching him. The other one, after Franklin, thank God, did the four, four and a half minutes left and did his Coach Franklin thing, gave us the ball, and all of a sudden we're in the end zone in the next play. Um, that was an, a, another piece of the B-gap attack, right? Strong right. defensive end play, seal to the inside, and go right inside of that. And that's that's basically what Corum did, and off he went for the touchdown. So that that one was especially nice, Bowers, because that was such a Franklin moment. Yeah. Uh, to 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 go and do what he did there with the game still at hand and still within grasp, but that yeah. was awesome. But uh, that's those are the adjustments you make. And then pass protection, going back to the first quarter. Okay, we're having a hard time keeping our quarterback upright and safe in a true pocket pass pro. Start moving the ball, roll the pocket, let JJ's legs do what they do so well. They started doing some of that. Get rid of the ball faster, shorten up some routes, do some different things so that the ball can come out of there faster. Build a little confidence with your quarterback. Build a little uh, breathing room for your offensive tackles. Those adjustments were made, and they were really good adjustments by Coach Moore and the offensive staff. Yeah, and they were fantastic. So um, let's talk about that Michigan defense. And I want to talk about how I got flies in this house, man. I just I got to clean here. I've been gone for a while. All right. So uh, <laughs> hey, the Michigan defense do? was awesome, but there's one play ballast that just I'll remember for this game forever. Uh, and uh, okay, there's yes, yeah, Kenneth Grant chasing down the running yes, back. Yes, the 340 pounds. And I saw it when it happened. It looked like a grizzly bear chasing some <laughs> poor hunter as he was trying to get away, and he just mauled him. What, I, uh, I, Ballas, I, I was sitting on a couch with a dear friend of mine watching the game, and and we saw that play. And I sat up and I looked at him and I said, "Did you just see that?" Like it was just something just blew me away. I'm like, yeah. "That Grant ran that kid down from behind." Yep. I said, "That dude is a big, big man to do that." I was just like that. That's like a three helmet sticker play yeah. on that by that kid. It was so so good, Ballas. Yeah, it really was. And I gotta give Rashawn Rashawn Benny his props oh. too. Okay, two plays. One on a third and six where he got there for a tackle for loss, or I think it was third and five. And then the play that really changed the game and the complexion of the game. Okay, Penn State has the ball near midfield, right? Mm-hmm. And if they go down and kick a field goal, they're twenty yards probably from from getting in field goal range, and they, they had a first down. He forces a fumble of Drew Aller. And that changes the entire tenor of the game because Michigan gets the ball midfield, goes down, kicks a field goal. Now it's 17-9. to Thanks again to James Franklin's decision (laughs) to go for two. Uh, And he took that one, with all due respect, to the late Gary Moeller, who I loved, out of the uh, Gary Moeller playbook. And you guys in 1990 played (laughs) Iowa, lost 24-23 to because Gary Moeller had this chart 
and said, oh, the church says go for two. Well, it doesn't mean in the first quarter, Gary. You know what? It means at the end of the game. So James Franklin gets Gary Moeller's play chart out there and two-point chart and decides to go, and that's 14 to nine, and now you're chasing points. And an eight-point yeah. lead in this game was absolutely massive the way that the Michigan defense was playing. Yeah, so the I thought def- were key, key the defense was smothering the rotation. And, and, and Penn State tried to go tempo to keep the rotation going. So, but Coach Minter had to adjust, and guys were getting, getting on and off the field quickly. Yes. But that interior ballast, our our interior defense, you think about Georgia, right? If you watched Georgia play last night, they got a really good defensive line too. But at, our two interior defensive tackles, and with Junior Colson in that Mike linebacker spot is as good as anybody in America. And so it's just awesome to watch those guys play because it's nasty in there and there's no answers. You got, yeah. you got at any time, Michigan's got two guys, good luck blocking one of them one-on-one. Yeah. And so when you got to the kind of athleticism that those big boys in the middle are showing too, boy, now you're talking about some really special dudes. And I would say that off the edge, we're doing all right. You know, Jenkins and McGregor off the edge and some other dudes in there. There's enough pressure. We don't have all the statistics that we always want with the flashy sacks. We're not dropping four or five sacks a game. We didn't do it yesterday. But the effectiveness and the pressure you provide on a quarterback is all that basically matters. And so the defensive front is as good as advertised, and they were again that way yesterday. Can we, by the way, put to bed the notion that Drew Aller is anyway in the near in the solar, same solar system as J.J. McCarthy. No, he's not. He's no, not. no. And both defenses were really, really good. And McCarthy did some things with his feet. Allard did a couple things with his feet, especially on one play. Those aren't which, the same, Ballas. No, they're not. No, the no. two running quarterbacks, because no. I was like, okay, this is what Penn State's going to have for the next right. few years. He's a good-looking kid. But in mm. two more years, is he going to be as good of a runner as J.J. No. is now? No. no. J.J. just Four has passes. more God-given athleticism with his yes, feet yep. than Aller does. Aller's more of an old-school pro-style kid who's being asked to run a little bit. But clearly, when you get a six-foot-five guy who's not, you know, all that, you know, light on his feet, uh, you know, he's decent, but he ain't yep. J.J. on his feet. So that's going to be a tough road for that kid. They're going to have to cater that offense to get him some more help on the edge which clearly they need so he can get rid of that football and not be the runner that they're asking him to be. Yeah. But you know, Hey, it's James Franklin. They might continue to do things that don't make a whole lot of sense out there. Yeah. The fourth and six from your own 30 and why he did not punt. You basically <laughs> lost the game right there. Any hey, hey, you had. And the one earlier where yeah. he was going to go for it. I yeah. know his coaches yeah. talked him out of that. Absolutely. Right? And if they punt inside the five and of course that was, yep. a, you know, it was the right move. It was the, but, right, it was uh, the right move. Yeah. And I but, just sat there. I'm like, well, here we go. Coach yeah. Franklin doing really stupid football yeah. things. And now, yep. now a couple of those fourth downs on the one drive, they're down 14 to three. I thought, okay, this is it, man. Um, this really is, you ha- kind of have to, because you're playing from behind here and you are chasing Michigan, you, you, it's, you're in desperation mode. If, if they go down three scores to Michigan before the, you know, the end of that first half, that game's probably over. So, but the fourth and one play where they, they sweep it, if they throw it back to the quarterback and, and Braden McGregor stays home, you look like an idiot. Fortunately for him, it worked. Well, um, that, that, that play, yeah. I don't think Penn State had ran that all year. That one, right. that one they kept in the playbook and obviously yep. had it ready to go. So good, you know, good credit for the offensive staff right. at Penn State. But boy, that, that head coach and some of the decisions, oh boy. And, yeah. and the roasting that he got after the game yeah. was deserved. Yeah. And now I'm going to ask you about Mason Grimm. I've never seen a guy get bullied and held more than this kid. <laughs> and he's always seems to be asking. I mean, hey, I, that, and I get you're an offensive lineman, but for God's sake, Alice, a bear hug. Listen, man, that, that the, the, the draw play where the quarterback ran yes. up the gut, Mason Graham was flat out WWF takedown tackled. Yeah. 
And it was hard to see from the regular press box shot, but in the end zone, the left guard's arm is yeah. all the way around the backside, like grabbing right. on the five on the back of his jersey. Right. And when Mason goes to make a tackle, he can't because he's being eaten alive right. by this 340-pound offensive guard. And you can see Mason gets tackled. The, the touchdown happens, and Mason's looking back at the white hat like, are you serious? You're not going to call this? Yeah. You can see it right there on film, and they didn't call it. As I told my buddy, I'm like, you know, sometimes you get away with one, but that one was bad. Yeah, it really was. So, uh, and coming from an offensive lineman, folks, uh, you know it must be bad because this guy. That was like, bad. That was a bad yeah. hold. <laughs> yeah. If his hands were inside, you know, yeah. on the chest plate of the shoulder pads, yep. I would have said, you know what? You got to get off the block, Mason. Yep. But the but but the dude's arms were around the backside of him. That was yep. that was as blatant as a hold as you could possibly get. And I, yeah. Watching bad. that with the naked eye, were there any offensive linemen who stood out to you that played well? Well, I thought our guards played okay at times, mm-hmm. and and I thought the center and you know we the, the first couple series ballast, you know we we keep going back to that because it wasn't pretty and it looked like we were taking bullets from all directions, but I thought they settled in and they did all right considering the way that game started. So I don't know that how how the, you know the grades. I don't you know break down the film and give grades and whatnot, but uh, but I thought that as a unit. They settled in and clearly were effective enough to rush for over 200 yards and settle in and adjust their pass protection to let J.J. do what he did. And so collectively, I give them a B for mm-hmm. the for the atmosphere and the noise wow. and everything else they played along with and the emotion and everything. I think they did a good job. I don't know that anybody really stood out in my mind as being outstanding, but as a unit, clearly they played well yep and it was all or nothing in the running game and they rushed for i think 170 167 yards if i'm not mistaken and yeah um so you know what it was good uh because they had the big plays it was four or five big plays really otherwise it was a lot of yeah inefficiency again two three you know two one zero negative yeah. two but then you'd have it was almost like the, a very Barry Sanders type of thing yeah the, re- the reality is and 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 we were texting during the game and whatnot that that this offensive line is not as good as last year's offensive no. line. It's just it's just the reality. But they're still pretty doggone good, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not going to kill them here for you know not being the, the the most dominant O line in the United States. But they're still pretty doggone good. But our our left tackle is not the same as Hayes was a year ago. And again, in the in the Penn State game, you know Hayes has struggled the last two years when he was in a Michigan uniform, giving up big sacks in the football game. Mm-hmm. And so none of these guys have been perfect. But uh, Nugent in center is good, but he's not all of a teamy. And and so you know collectively as a unit, they're not they're not super great dominant best offensive line in Michigan history, but they're still very very effective, and I would say very very good. Yeah, and it helps when you have a mobile quarterback back there as well. He's yes. Doug Skeen, Michigan's five time Big Ten champion. I'm Chris Ballas. Thanks for watching the Ballas and Skeen Show. We'll be back next week and break some things down. And uh, got Maryland coming up. Uh, trap game. Who knows? Uh, they did pull out the big win over Matt Rule. <laughs> And Nebraska, 13 to 10, even though they didn't have their signs. So, uh, and then after that, of course, it's the Buckeyes. So, weird Big Ten this year. I think Minnesota lost 49 to 30 at Purdue. Ballas, uh, newsflash. Yeah. Uh, now, we last week we said, who's the fourth best team in the Big Ten? Yeah. Clearly, Penn State's average. Yeah. You got Michigan, Ohio State, and the rest of the Big Ten stinks. Yes, it does. There you have it. So, uh, oh, Penn State's okay. They got a good defense. I'll give them that. So, they have a good defensive front. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. And Iowa is uh, probably fourth by default. So, sure. We'll, we'll talk about. The, we'll give it we'll, to the Hawkeyes. We'll give it to the Hawkeyes. We'll talk more next week. Thanks, Keen, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Go blue.